I'm Jessica, and this is Homecoming, finding yourself in life's little moments. So, dear listener, I'm sitting overlooking the vast Pacific facing east on a latish afternoon in late August, and the sky is dotted with these little clouds, these little tiny puffy sort of grayish clouds, and behind me to my west, the sun is becoming lower in the sky. The wind has changed, interestingly, just a couple of hours ago, the wind changed from north, coming from the north, to rotating almost 180 degrees. So it's now coming from the south. And what that means basically is that it's coming from the Antarctic. And that means, as you might imagine, that it's a colder wind. So I'm sitting here, not on my very favorite bench, but on another bench, still overlooking this beautiful, vast blue sea, but a little bit out of the wind. So it's nice. And down below, I can see the reefs and the waves coming in you may hear that there's some people in the background you may hear that and then there are these two divers who are coming up from there they're scuba diving and uh, it looks like maybe they were just looking for things it doesn't look like like they were fishing some of these folks fish off this area but uh, it just looks like they were diving and looking for what was down there um anyway i hope it won't be too disturbing there's a bit of noise in the background but I wanted to talk about something that is very dear to me. That has to do with the littlest creatures in our midst. So that is why the name of this podcast, I've titled this podcast, The Plight of Little Things. And as many of you may know, have seen, there are fires raging in the Amazon. Some of the images that are coming out of that are aerial images satellite images and from those higher distances one can see the extent of these fires and the vast area that they're consuming and in that light what I'd like to do actually is to focus on the smallest things that would be affected and are being affected by that uh, that catastrophe and I'm going to focus on a very particular sort of small thing <laughs> and that is insects. Now, for quite a while, I've been captivated by insects, and I love photography. I've had the opportunity to photograph all sorts of insects, particularly where I was living before I left for Australia in western Massachusetts. I lived in a place that was just just full of all sorts of beautiful insects, and I loved photographing them. I absolutely loved it. There were beautiful dragonflies and honeybees and all sorts of other kinds of insects, some of, most of which I didn't really know the names of. But what was interesting, dear listener, is that they all seemed to be quite happy to be photographed. I can even look at some of the images that I took, say, of dragonflies, and I look at their little faces. And frankly, dear listener, dragonflies have little faces. These insects have little faces, and we often don't really, we don't get close enough to be able to perceive that, but they do. And I can tell you that some of my dragonfly 
photographs show these beautiful creatures and they look like they're actually smiling. They look like they're happy to be photographed. They're happy to be noticed. They're happy to have a human in their midst. I really never felt in any way apprehensive about photographing them. I actually just loved it. And I have to say that dragonflies are some of the most patient photographic subjects one is ever going to find. I also will say that kind of as a as a bit of a footnote to this that the person whom I've mentioned in in some of my other podcasts a man who's come into my life who's a beautiful person one of the things that we share is this great interest you know and passion for photography and recently he said to me he said you know I imagine us getting a Nikon 850 because what that will do is allow me the ability to photograph insects in a way that is even more intimate, even more connected, even more beautifully illuminated and defined than I've been able to do up to this point. So I felt like that was, you know, that's a very exciting idea and prospect. And I actually think that bringing to light the smallest creatures in our midst is something of increasing importance. So when I think about Jesus, well, he always focused on the things that were the smallest, the weakest, the least able to defend themselves. And, you know, I just had to say that because I, I can't help but think of how that was just central to his teaching. And interestingly, dear listeners, I just said that straight ahead, at some distance from me, a whale just breached and I could see its huge splash as it came up and then went back down, you know, with, with a crash into the water, its huge whale body breaching. And there, there, there are like three of them out there. Oh, my gosh. So that is happening as I'm actually telling you this. So those are big creatures. Those are big creatures. And I'm going to talk about the little creatures as I'm watching that. So the Amazon is burning. And what I'd like to share with you is a kind of a feeling that I have about what must be happening to the smallest creatures in that place. So when fire goes through, the devastation of fire, it wipes almost everything out. And again, we can see these images from a great height, and we can see we're shown the fires from satellites, and there's a huge dolphin now going in front of me. This is really quite beautiful. I didn't anticipate seeing so many beautiful sea creatures while I was making this podcast. But there they are. They're enjoying the weather. They're enjoying this day. They're enjoying the late afternoon. They're enjoying the sun. And there they are out there for me to see and enjoy and appreciate. However many thousands of miles away it is, perhaps it's 10,000 miles away, the Amazon is burning. And... What I imagine to be happening there is that the tiniest creatures are being consumed by that fire. Now, we often are taken with the macro view, which I think is really important, but it's the micro view that maybe will even more profoundly open our hearts. Because once again, when I photograph these beautiful creatures, I realize how significant they are, how much life they have, how much presence they have, how much beauty 
they have. It's no exaggeration to say that our very existence depends on them. Our very existence depends, for example, on the honeybee. No more than an inch long, our whole existence depends on these tiny creatures that are no more than an inch long. So we now know that. We now know that, and we now also have a sense that their lives are in peril because of everything that we've done to change the environment. It's a very significant thing that's happening. And I also want to add that, you know, when we think about the symptoms of global change and climate change, we think about the ice sheets shearing off. When we think about the glaciers shearing off a hundred million kilos of ice, whatever that amount of ice is, just dropping suddenly into the ocean, into the water. It's hard to imagine, you know, we don't think necessarily about what's going on for those little fish that happen to be there when a hundred million kilos of ice drops into the water. And they happen to be there. What happens to those little creatures? What happens to those little fish? The littlest fish that are there at the moment when that occurs. So that's the thing. I just feel like as I use my imagination, as I use my experience of hanging out with the bugs, you know, photographing them and delighting in their in their beautiful presence and their beautiful colors and shapes and sizes and and activity you know and I imagine all that and I think about all that I think about my experience and then I sort of transpose that onto a situation like the Amazon burning you know and I think about the tiniest fishes when I when I ask myself and think about and imagine what is it that those creatures are experiencing now given everything so One of the reasons that I have this appreciation, I have to say, dear listeners, because a woman came into my life when I was eight who had a love of life, has a love of life. And she raised me, really was the definitive, um, I would say, really from the point of view of my soul. She was the defining presence in my life. It was as if she was a buoy in the middle of an ocean that was often very, very turbulent. She was there. You know, she was she was there. She really, really loves living things, plants, trees, flowering trees, flowers, little insects, little bugs. And it was her delight in little things that I realized helped me to delight in them, to find delight in those things myself. And her love of life was something that has run like a thread through my entire existence. To the point where several years ago I realized that I actually had to write about her. And I devoted a full four years on penning my memoir, which is called In Duet with God. And it was in the midst of writing that that I actually found out more about her. I was spending time with her in New York City where she was living. And I'd go down from western Massachusetts and sit at a cafe with her and walk the streets with her and go into her favorite Catholic church with her and do all of these things, pray together and all of these things. And at that point she began to reveal things that had happened to her in her very early life, things I didn't know about when I was being raised and and was growing up with her. And some of those things were really heartbreaking and very poignant. 
that was what was communicated to me in those beautiful, precious afternoons that we would sit at a cafe on 6th Avenue and she would drink her coffee through a straw and begin to tell me in her heavily accented English, which really never changed from being heavily accented, inflected with a South American accent because she was from Ecuador. Um, She would tell me about life and she would tell me about her life and she would share her interests and her thoughts and her passions with me and as an adult I could absorb them and understand them and appreciate them with a kind of depth that only made my experience with her as a child that much more meaningful and that much more resonant and the other thing dear listener that I think of when when I think of the Amazon and the rainforest is that part of the Amazon actually extends into Ecuador and several decades ago she was very 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 sick and really thought that she wasn't going to live a whole lot longer. And a friend of hers said, listen, why don't you go back to Ecuador? And she thought that her friend meant that she should go back because she wasn't going to live much longer and she should return to her homeland. But what her friend really meant was that she might be able to find kind of medical help there that she wasn't able to find in the in the United States. She returned very ill, and she made her way to go and see an herbalist, an, a doctor who specializes in herbal medicine, and he lived in the Amazon. He lived in the forest. He lived amongst the plants and, and flowers and animals, and he lived there from where he took the herbal remedies that he administered to his patients, and she saw him. And he prescribed several herbs from the Amazon, and she began to take them. And slowly, over time, you know, she returned to the States, and she returned to the States with those herbs sealed up. And at that time, she was able to bring them in. Those were her medicine. She was able to bring them in. And over time, really, almost really miraculously, her health began to improve. It began to improve. It began to improve. And she got better, and she got better, and she got better, and she made her way back from the brink of death, really, by virtue of the herbs, because of the herbs and the and the ways in which those beautiful plants prescribed by this herbal herbalist in the Amazon helped her, saved her. So, you know, that's another thing that I think of, dear listener, when I think of that Amazon burning. I think, oh my gosh, I think of how she was saved by the very things that grow there. She was saved by the things that grow there. We might not think of that, but here's a person that was so dear to me. She was saved by what grows in the Amazon. She was saved by it, by those beautiful living things. So I want to, in that sense, in that context, talk about another little thing that's suffering these days. And I cannot help but keep being reminded of this in the most heartbreaking way. And that is the little children who have been separated from their parents in America, in the United States, the country I'm from, where I was born and raised. These children who were generally Hispanic, Mexican, Central American, maybe some South American, are being held, having been separated from their parents, they're being held in a kind of awful confinement. Now, the reason why that example of 
the plight of little things is so especially touching to me is because of this woman, Flora, whom I just mentioned to you. When she was six, I learned many years later over tea in a Sixth Avenue cafe in New York City, she was orphaned. She was orphaned as a child of six in the hinterlands of Ecuador. And back then, there was no such thing as child protection agencies. There was no such thing as guardianship. If a child was orphaned, they became vulnerable to an extraordinary degree, and she was. So when she became orphaned at the age of six because her mother, as I would later find out from her, had been bitten by a rabid dog on the streets of the village near where they lived, everything turned into really a tragic set of circumstances because my dear beloved Flora, when she was six, was taken by a family and used in a kind of indentured servitude to do every manner of things for them. And they beat her. They, uh, they punished her in the most cruel kinds of ways. And it was by her unbelievable sort of perseverance and what would turn out to be a, a sort of superhuman kind of faith, particularly in Mary, because her, her religion is Catholicism, her faith in God and Mary and in Jesus really was what enabled her to survive and she ended up fleeing from that place at the age of eight and miraculously finding, beginning to find her way and, and through several incredible blessings um, her life began to slowly change. But there she was, you know, just this tiny girl, this little tiny girl, this little thing, this little girl subjected to the most horrendous circumstances at that age. So when I see those children, you know, when I see the faces of children who are now being held in detention in America, Hispanic children, children with faces very much like the way she looked, what she looked like when she was six, I cannot help but think of her when she was that age, a tiny child, and all these children now suffering, becoming an orphan has been imposed upon them. And dear listener, what could be worse? What could be worse? These tiny children have, for all intents and purposes, and I'm sure it's their actual experience, have lost their parents, their mother, their father. And what are these children going to grow up to feel, to think, to do. How is that trauma, how is the fear, the anxiety, the unbelievable pain that they must be experiencing? I even read an article that said that there was some policy that didn't allow, that prohibited these children being hugged by any of the of the staff. I mean, if that's actually true, then we're talking about a kind of cruelty, the likes of which is hard to exceed. Because when you're a little thing, when you're a child, when you're a little thing, everything is magnified. Everything is formative. Everything enters your being, your cells, your psyche, your heart, your mind, your tiny little being. Everything enters it with a kind of force. So can you imagine what these children must be experiencing, these little things, right? It's heartbreaking. 
and I cannot help but feel it. It's it feels almost too much to bear, you know, and particularly because of this woman who raised me and because I know that as a little girl she would have looked very much like those children whose faces I see in photographs. As a little girl, she experienced that pain for no fault of her own, just like these children are experiencing that pain, that trauma, for no fault of their own, you see? So it's all connected. It's all connected. For me, it's just all connected. So, you know, I really do think, I think of Jesus. I think of Jesus. I think of how he went. He went straight for the little things, you know. The meek shall inherit the world. There's something about that. There's something about that. And for any of us, who can see, who can appreciate, you know, we can begin to see, to say to ourselves, oh my gosh, what is this? What is this thing? This thing, this thing. How are these things impacting the littlest creatures among us? How are the littlest creatures among us being impacted? The littlest beings, the children, how are they being impacted? You know, there's something about the Native Americans, the the First Nation people of the United States, and there was a concept about the seventh generation. You do things with the seventh generation in mind, that seven generations hence, what will the effect, you ask yourself, well, what will the effect of my actions be? What will the effect of what we're doing be? What will the effects be? If we can think about it like this, then we can think, well, these little things really matter. They really, really matter. They're not so little at all. They're actually really big. All those beautiful insects that are being consumed in those fires in the Amazon, in Brazil, matter. These little children, you know, their lives really matter. I mean, it's not a little thing at all. It's a huge, 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 huge thing. So... That's really what I wanted to share with you, dear listener, because when I see those images of the Amazon, when I see the images of those beautiful children, those, those heartbreaking images of those children who are being held, you know, held in detention there, it's just, it's too much. It's too much. So with that, I'm sorry it's not the most uplifting podcast, but I have to tell you that, you know, my heart breaks when I think about this and if it's anything I can do it would be to ennoble create a sort of ennobling frame of reference and ennoblement of the things that are the little things in life the little things that are in our midst the little things it's to ennoble those things you know so that they become present in our consciousness present in our awareness present in what matters really matters to us that they can actually become present for us in a way that is significant and valued and loved so with that dear listener i bid you adieu and thank you for listening and wish you the very very best from these shores god bless you and take good care okay (laughs) bye for now bye for now bye